All right, so um, welcome to another episode of the Pan-African Traders podcast. Today I am joined by Kojo Adum um, from Ghana, who is in the agribusiness space. And, you know, myself and Kojo have been on uh, on a few different clubhouse rooms together. And we just find that we, we kind of connect. We share a lot of the same thoughts about, you know, agriculture. We're about the same age. We're you know, we're doing similar things with, with different crops. So I just thought it would be a good idea to have a conversation with him to talk about the agribusiness space in Ghana, just to get a different perspective. Um, and yeah, so welcome, welcome to the podcast, Kojo. How are you doing today? Doing very well. Um, yes. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, let's just, let's just get straight into it. You're, you're in agriculture how long have you been into? When did you decide to get into agribusiness? Have you always been in agribusiness? Um, no, I've not always been in agribusiness. I've been, I think, actively in agriculture for since um, 2014, late 2014 till now. And yeah. um, I decided to jump in. Um, after some years in the private sector, I was in mining uh, a bit and um, real estate uh, and then I decided to, to jump into agriculture yeah oh nice 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 so how been how did what, what made you pivot to agriculture from mining and real estate and all those other things um, I, I thought of doing something that I was passionate about you know and um, because I grew up um, in Zimbabwe and I don't know most whether a lot of people know that Zimbabwe has a, a very strong agricultural um, inclination. You know, there are a lot of, uh, it's, it used to be a farming nation until things went a bit south. But so growing up in Zimbabwe, I used to see a lot of big commercial farms. Farmers were the coolest people that I could see. Like those were the people that I sort of, uh, uh, that fascinated me, you know. And so I think that seed was sown in quite young. So uh, when I was tired of working, you know, I would say working for people in a way, you know, which is um, somebody who sort of likes things to go a certain way and have control somewhat over the things which I'm involved in. And I think um, working in, in the private sector, working with or working for people wasn't giving me that. So I was not really uh in my mojo so i decided to quit and then do something which um i was passionate about surprisingly i think that when it was time it just happened like i just knew that this is what i wanted to do sort of the right people came into my life at the right time so i just pivoted to to uh, doing it and here we are today seven years in and i don't think i would have done too many things differently um and yeah nice nice that's that's really interesting actually um starting off in another african country in zimbabwe and then moving to ghana to start start your agricultural journey so to speak you said there was some you know the right people came into your life at that time were yeah. they like mentors or who are those people so it was my first uh, business partner um he was he had relocated to the northern part of the country to um, sort of begin life there. Um, the southern part is expensive and he was from the north. And um, I think getting a job uh, after university and uh, 
and the cost of living in the southern part of the country quite it's quite high. So he was in the north, brought up in the north, and then he just felt that he would come back. Um, and so uh, he'll go back home and then see what he can pick up there. So he, he went back there and uh, he started small farming, vegetable farming, and he'll send me pictures once in a while, like whilst I was still in the real estate at the time. And then I was like, oh, this is what I'm doing. You know, you should consider coming to join me so that we do this together. So I think, I don't know what he saw or why he even thought I even had interest in farming, because I think up until that time, everything was really in my head or a feeling I had. I didn't really express that to anybody. So I'm sure growing up, uh, if you ask anybody who probably grew up uh, with me, they'll probably be surprised about uh, uh, who, who a career path I've chosen now, because it's not something I, I didn't go around wearing uh, farm hats or holding uh, uh, what you call planting tools. But uh, so after a while, I was like, okay, I'll come and check out what you are doing. So I took a, a plane, I went to the north and um, I saw what he was doing and I just loved the landscape. I loved seeing mostly farmlands left and right, uh, farmers all over the place. Everybody was just into agriculture in one way or the other. It just seemed like what <laughs> I needed or possibly I needed a, a long break from city life. I don't know, it was either those two things uh, so um i came back and then i gave myself a, a timeline that in six months um i should have raised some money um quit my job and uh, moved to the north so i think i did something which was probably the craziest thing i have ever done before um which is i try I, I quit my job and i went to live in a place that I had no family and um, I had no prior experience uh, wow. in the sector and uh, I began my journey that way yeah well that's that's what the de the definition of a leap of faith <laughs> um, that's that's crazy that's crazy and, and you mentioned something about you know how a lot of your your friends the people that you grew up with wouldn't um, associate with you with the, you know getting into agriculture yeah. and I guess that leads me into one of the, the questions I had in mind um, what's the perception of people that are in agriculture in Ghana I know that sometimes in in Nigeria not all people but a lot of people look at it as kind of uh, you know it's just poor people that do farming and you know some parents are quite discouraging of their kids getting into farming they want you to do certain types of professions like you know lawyer doctor those kinds of things so is it something similar in ghana or are people kind of open-minded no people are not open-minded i think it will be something which cuts across africa um, um i think um farming is still um, deemed as a, a very, very a poor man's occupation. And it's because of uh, how it's been, um, because of the people who are engaged in it are mostly rural folks. Everybody's trying to educate their kids to um, take up a career uh, in corporate world, a banker, doctor, uh, or a politician. And so uh, <laughs> um, farming is not sexy. And it's not <laughs> especially for young people. And yeah. so, and, and the, the depictions, you know, from almost just like that lady said, you know, that, you know, 
what if you're a young person and you see the connotation of of how uh, farming and agriculture has been painted um it's it's not something which you'd want to get in obviously uh, we should know better than that and we should uh, truly look beyond um these stereotypes because stereotypes are just wrong um, so yes it's the same as uh, it is in nigeria and um, or in most of africa and i hope really i, di I didn't really set out to i'll even say that the, it, it was clubhouse uh, that got me comfortable with talking about what i do because i i'm usually the kind of person who you know i'm sort of in my corner doing my own thing and but i've, I've realized something that it's important for people like me people like you and people who look like us to to speak and to uh, get into agriculture and to encourage people even not by telling them to get into our culture but to tell them that young people can get into agriculture and make a living off it you know in the different parts of the value chain it can be something which can uh, which ultimately we is is a priority because we'll all go hung, hungry if the generation of current farmers die off and we do not take over the mantle from them it's important for us to show that farming can be done in a sophisticated uh, efficient way that has nothing to do with the uh, primitive ways that have been depicted for a very long time so um uh, i think that uh, uh, yes, uh, the more awareness, the more people like us talk about agriculture, uh, the more people are likely to want to also um, uh, engage in it and change the narrative. Yeah, I 100% I, I agree with you. And uh, like you said, uh, we do need, um, you know, younger people we need. And also another thing is, we need to bring our knowledge of you know the current technology today, our you know our exposure to the internet, to Clubhouse, or other platforms, and and sort of integrate that with the existing agriculture going on in the continent, because we can merge the old with the new, and yeah. you know create something special there. So I 100% agree with you, and uh, yeah, so that that kind of leads me on to you know what what you're actually doing right now, right? I think you know on on one of the Clubhouse rooms we were talking about what you're actually growing. So can you tell us a little bit more about what crops yeah. you decided to get into and so, some of the, 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 your failures and your successes, et cetera, et cetera? Okay, so um, I, um, I'm currently actively into the, the um, uh, aggregation, um, production slash cultivation and processing of chilies, uh, red chilies uh, into uh, dried form um, for now. We supplied that to some processing facilities locally that turned it into other derivatives, which is powdered, sauce, ETC. So we we actively, we are like the chili people. I'm the hot pepper person. I grow chili specifically, even other varieties of hot pepper. But I focus on, on into the, the commercial production of cassava to for uh, some facilities also that turn it into ethanol and, uh, and starch. And I produce tree seedlings on a commercial scale for uh, forestry commission for um, their agroforestry or their, their afforestation 
initiatives that happen usually on an annual basis. So those are the, the primary crops that uh, I'm into um, in terms of failures. This, I think now I'm basically, I've approached agri from a, a, a different perspective, which is it's heavily irrigated. I'm always like, if I don't have irrigation set up, I'm not growing because for the past years I've been doing it, it was heavily reliant on the rain. And because of the erratic, erratic uh, climatic conditions that we've been experiencing now, if you are trying to do a Greek on the scale that um, I am doing it, or the scale that I have, I, I've, I've come to do it, you know, you cannot rely on, on the rain. You definitely have to make provision for irrigation as, as expensive as it is. So some of the heartbreaks have been expecting rains to come and rains not showing up, growing crops. And then uh, with the anticipation of getting a good market, a good market price for it. And then when the crops are ready to harvest, uh, they come and say, there's a glut in the system. So what we are going to get for, what we're going to buy from you for about $100 per sack or like five dollars and these are you have to dispose of them within a short period of time so you're getting bullied by the market people you're getting bullied by the middlemen you're getting no support so you're sinking you're burning cash you know into and you're not getting it back so uh, the, the experiences have been basically from the point of bad uh, market to uh, climate disaster to uh, also not knowing um, uh, some good agronomic practices to observe. Uh, the lessons have been to make sure that you sort of, you, you, you reverse engineer everything, you know, you get the markets and you produce for it, you know, you, you, you consult agronomists, you, you be willing to pay for experts, you reach out to as many experts in the field, you aggregate the information, you try and you, 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 you follow through with the activities that need to be followed through with, you, you consider value addition. You know, sometimes you don't have to be into the production, but you can be into the aggregation and you can be into the uh, marketing, you understand. So you, you back channel and then you just aggregate. Somebody produces, you aggregate, you connect to markets, you connect to uh, what do you call it, people who, who needed processing facilities, et cetera, et cetera. So then those are sort of some of the lessons that I have learned. So now I'm, I'm, I'm always like, okay, value addition, you know, I'm, uh, my chilies this year, I'm, I'm hoping to add another step in the value chain by not even supplying my processes, but actually processing it further into powder and then other forms to hopefully by next year. So I'm always, it's something which, actively you should look at adding, which is value addition to, sometimes it's just a single step, you know, then you work on that, then you take a step after that. So um, that's some of the lessons which come uh, across um, with my, my few years in agric, yeah. That, that's, that's amazing. And that's a lot of, a lot of wisdom sort of condensed um, into a couple of minutes. So I, I honestly appreciate that. Um, one of the things you touched on was the, you know, 
the, the irrigation. It's it's something that's not really people don't really think of when they talk about you know agribusiness. Yeah. Um, so in terms of irrigation, do you use any special kind of irrigation like drip irrigation, yeah. solar powered irrigation, etc.? So I use drip irrigation. So we pump our water into an overhead tank and it's distributed um, drip by drip by drip, like the name suggests to the crops. Um, okay. Like the name suggests the crop, um, to the crops. Hello, are you there? I'm here, I'm here. I just had to move to a different position, but yeah, carry on. Okay, so um, we, we um, use different, we use um, drip irrigation primarily. So it drips the system uh, of pumping water to an overhead tank, and then the water is distributed evenly amongst the crops on the field. That's what we primarily use. That's what we have um, experienced. It's cost effective. It's, um, it's um, uh, very, very doesn't uh, cause too much diseases. It doesn't cause, it doesn't cause um, pests to infect your site. It's usually, it's actually the best irrigation you can get. It's just expensive. But uh, if you can, it's an alternative to go uh, um, for. Uh, so in terms of irrigation, that's what we are looking at. Uh, adding solar to our solar, solar will be more of just to pump the water into the overhead tanks. That's something which we are looking actively as incorporating into our model this year. So irrigation definitely something which should be considered if you want to minimize. Uh, the unpredictability of very predictable uh, venture. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Keep going. Okay. So um, that's that's what I have to add on on irrigation. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That no, that's that's very useful. And um, you know, a lot of people think that getting into the agribusiness space is just you know you just put some stuff in the ground, the range pours the sun shines and it grows but actually it's it's actually pretty difficult and there's a lot of different bits and pieces you have to be aware of you know from the weather yeah. like you said the weather irrigation the market yeah. the middlemen so, that is so many different things and it's not so many yeah and it's not it's not like it's, it's a business it's like any other business it, there, there are challenges this is not the easiest business to get into and so this is one thing that i like to tell people when they want to get into the agri-business space that you know it's it's not an overnight success you know there's going to be a lot of it's things nice. you, you're going to you're going to learn but you know you reach out to people that have been in the space so you can learn from other people's mistakes and be and be, like you said be willing to pay agronomists be willing to pay certain people yeah. that would give you that extra advice uh, an experience let me just add this little to one of the experiences we had was something even as minute or as even what people would not consider important it's just even just the variety you grow and where you grow it you know yeah there are a lot of tests that need to be done like maybe the soil test to to know what uh, the nutrient composition of the soil is so that you actually know what kind of nutrients to give it some needed some not needed you can't use the same fertilizer regimen for every part of every soil across every geographic location uh, also the seed you use seeds perform differently in different places so we, we had a seed that we used 
that did not uh, fruit at all, even though we spent, we thought we did um, what we had to do, which is we, we irrigated, we gave it fertilizer, we uh, did our, our disease control, um, our pest control. And then we had, we trust, there were two varieties we planted. One was a hybrid, one was a regular. The hybrid performed fantastically. The regular variety we performed flopped, you know, absolute flop. So just something as simple as just even the seed choice in the seed uh, in the geographic location can be the difference between a successful crop season to a non-successful uh, crop season. So a lot of times, you know, we like to learn painfully, but I think in my opinion, uh, if I were to go or want to even, if I would want to enter into any a different crop from what I'm producing now, which is if I all of a sudden want to jump into okra or, or garden eggs or something. The best way is actually, to, I'll probably collaborate with a farmer that's already been doing it for a while and see how uh, I can support them to scale up in a, in a way that's mutually beneficial, you know, as opposed to try and take the mantra, even if maybe it's just a temporal thing so that you could learn as much from the operations as possible and go and do your own thing. That should be what is is concerned and that's what I would uh, definitely do differently if given uh, an opportunity again like that yeah yeah I, and that, that's the smartest way to do it you, you, there's no it's not a quick fix you know a lot of things you're just not going to be prepared for and so by actually spending time with someone that has experience and then another thing like you mentioned the geography like when I got into agribusiness I didn't even know that you know the same you know, crop planted in the northern region of one country or in the western region of the same country, it, it's a different. It's a different product. It can taste different. It can come out different. And so, there's all these little things you have to learn. And like you said, try and go under someone that's actually been in that specific crop, knows what they're talking about, and they can yeah. they can walk you through it. Um, one yeah. thing that I wanted to touch on as well is is one of the discussions we were having on uh, Clubhouse about. Um, the challenges that some of the, the farmers, the smallholder farmers have. Um, we spoke a little bit about, you know, working with cooperatives and, you know, there was a lot of chat about, you know, drone technology, blockchain, a lot of these fancy technologies, artificial intelligence. But, you know, a lot of the time I was saying, which what you agreed with and, you know, you can expand on it. I was saying, look, sometimes these people just need mechanized farming. They might just need a thresher. They might just need a tractor. They might just need the just just some machinery to help them operate more efficiently. So do you want to touch on that about, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the expectations of yeah. these new technologies yeah. and, and the realities on ground? Yeah. So I think that um, fortunately or unfortunately, tech, ag tech, not even... Uh, uh, it's difficult but to say, but when you even say ag tech, usually it actually doesn't have to do with agricultural mechanization, which if it did, then probably we'll be having a different conversation. Ag tech is basically using solutions that the first world has adopted to operate more efficiently in a society whereby the barest minimum of barest minimum and procedures of agriculture is still in a place whereby um, we cannot effectively utilize uh, these technologies. Um, I think that 
uh, there's a lot of challenges that uh, different farmers farming different crops in different geographies uh, face. And I think that's uh, one of the, uh, if you go across and you find out, you see that access to uh, things like mechanization services for land preparation, just uh, motorized sprayers and uh, things which will just elevate their level of production one or two steps are lacking. It's difficult to see how um, ag tech, you know, which is things like drone spraying and then artificial intelligence and things like that would be of immediate significant help because these are substance farmers we are talking about. They are farming to live, you know, and complicating their already complicated lives is, is an unfair thing to do as much as uh, no matter how much you think what you're doing is helping them. Um, I would say that if the mode of of incorporating your technology is your business model, then it should be more about you have a group of outgoers for which you are supporting in a certain way, and then you are utilizing this technology to help them uh, do what they are doing more efficiently after providing them with their various minimum needs, which is with the various with the inputs, with the, maybe the knapsack sprayer and things like that, and seeing and telling them and letting them understand how you could even be, or they could even be more efficient if you give them these services. If that's not done, I think it's not something which is uh, to the average farmer is of any help. So for us like this, we are doing, um, uh, we have an outdoor scheme with our, our chilies. Um, this year, um, we are looking at uh, supporting 100 plus farmers, depending on how things go. And um, if this increases, and if let's say, um, based on uh, tests and results for from how we operate or things like that, you know, uh, we want to maybe incorporate a way of okay, getting a drone to spray the farmers, or to spray the farms of each farmer, then that would make sense because I'm sort of already providing them with an ecosystem that benefits them, you know, I'm providing them with markets, I'm providing them with input seeds, things like that. And then I think that I can uh, efficiently, uh, what do you call it? Or they can efficiently utilize uh, the chemicals that I'm giving them by incorporating my drone technology. That can be a business model that works. So um, it needs to be looked at like, you can't use the same glove to fit every farmer. I don't want to completely discredit the importance of what or the efficiency of how uh, agricultural technology like drones and artificial uh, um, intelligence and detecting diseases and things can be. I just think that they need to be rolled out in a way that is uh, pragmatic <laughs> uh, and um, also uh, very, very, very realistic uh, for our climate and understand that not everything nice and shiny uh, uh, needs to be used at a particular time yeah yeah i agree i agree you know it's not to say that these types of technologies are not necessary but it's about understanding the customer and what they actually need on the ground because you know like i said you know if if, if helping them have a, a tractor or, or lease yeah. a tractor 
going to reduce their their plowing time by from a month to like a couple of days yeah. that might be more important than you know giving them bitcoin wallets and all these things yeah. so um yeah I, I honestly um you know understand the perspective and this is something that you know i, I found interesting that we both agreed on yeah um, so, so yeah even which even i think i uh-huh. make i didn't even make in my submission i'll quickly even add that um mechanization services are, are very very lacking you know tractors 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 that has been the cry for my outgrower scheme from um, as much as next year last year rather if it, and it's true because the tractors are just not enough you know they're they're in the parts of farming where primarily they grow grains cashew i said um, maize um, soya beans and uh, sorghum and things like that, you know, uh, they do not have enough agricultural uh, machinery that can do these crops. They don't have enough uh, threshers that can help them effectively in the post-harvest phase of things. So um, it's, it is heartening when um, we feel like maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars are, are being pumped into um, places in the value chain or in the sector that's um, are not going to bring immediate <laughs> um, benefits to those who need it the most. So I think definitely that before there should be some um, on-ground uh, research. You know, it's 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 easy from uh, to try and solve the world's problems from Silicon Valley, but sometimes it, uh, looking at the the problems on the ground through a Google map or a Google satellite image is not enough to uh, really um, bring the change that's needed on the ground. Go on the ground, meet with the people who are on the ground and let them tell you what their challenges are and try and, uh, I'll keep saying, reverse engineer uh, the solution from from that angle. So uh, that's what I wanted to add. Well, that's that's brilliant that's you know that's perfectly said and um yeah you know you just gotta really understand what's going on on the ground there can't be that disconnect otherwise we're just going to be bringing up solutions that don't really solve p- particular problems so i i completely agree with that and uh yeah just uh, just a couple more questions before we round things up um you said you do chilies and cassava so where I mean, are you growing these in different parts of Ghana? Like, yeah. and, and how easy is it to manage two different crops? Yeah, so um, chilies um, in the Brown Hafo region, cassava is in the Volta region. The Brown Hafo region is the mid belt towards the northern part of the country. Then the country has um, about 12 months to maturity. Um, needs very little attention. You have the times you're supposed to weed, uh, the times, uh, yeah, it's just, it's quite a simple uh, crop. My encouragement to everybody watching this, just go and grow cassava, you know, as your starting crop in agriculture, it's a simple crop, so it doesn't require too much supervision. You can plant it and forget about it um, after you've done what you need to do. Chili is the one that's a bit more tricky um, it, it requires a lot of attention requires a lot of technicalities a lot of money and um, and um, but at the same time so it's a very high value crop so uh, if you do all the things that you need to do um, you would definitely be rewarded greatly so yeah 
Yeah, that, that's interesting that um, certain crops are just a lot easier for beginners. So you can, you can get your feet wet with the cassava. Yeah. And then when you want to get more complicated, you can do more of the perishable. Yes, the perishable crops, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's actually really good advice. And um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, my, my last, you know, comments before we end this up, because uh, this has been very information dense. So I hope people that watch this actually appreciate all this knowledge that you're dropping. But, you know, what, what would you say to, to, to the younger people um, to try and get them encouraged to get into agribusiness? Because, you know, like you said, there's a stigma attached to agribusiness in Africa. So how... What would you say to younger people, people your age, to, to get them excited about, you know, getting into this industry? Um, I'll tell them that, <laughs> um, um, that um, but I think that... Be realistic as well, though, don't... If it's, if it's difficult, also just say that. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell them that um, almost like uh, when there's a call to war, um, they pick up every young uh, person with able arms is called to go and fight and defend <laughs> their country. They should treat it with the same urgency because um, if they want to be, uh, all the, the, the depictions of uh, disaster and uh, famine and everything that we see in movies, you know, scarcity of food can become a reality if more young people do not enter into agriculture, you understand? Uh, the, Everything can't be um, computers, everything can't be tech. Though, though an argument can be made about uh, robots that farm and feed us, but do we really want to put our hopes on something which uh, probably has a uh, 50 or 60 years away from chance of coming to um, reality? You know, it's, it's, it's an immediate crisis. We need the people, the average, age of uh, a farmer is above 60 years and it means that when they die there's going to be a huge shortfall of 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 food for us to to eat so it's a very very important thing they need to treat it not just as um and something which they can they can decide to do but something which is needed it's almost like uh something which needs to be mandatory, you know, for everybody to be involved in the uh, agribusiness sphere in one way or the other, because uh, mankind literally, its lives depend on it. You know, I'm not trying to be um, like really trying to paint a dark picture, but it is that bad, you know, in Africa specifically, if we do not find a way of getting more young people to grow, we do not find a way of supporting those who um, are already in agribusiness, the young ones to be able to have farms that match the farms that we have in, in Europe and in America, you know, um, it's going to be very, very bad for us all. So go into agriculture, not because, you know, um, it's something fancy, something fancy or something that, um, is 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 uh, flavor of the month occupation but going to it because it's something which is needed like becoming a doctor you know or uh, becoming a teacher you know it's 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 a priority for us all and um for mankind really and so that's that's 
my advice. It's not easy, but I don't think um, anything is really. Uh, I think everything has a set of challenges and a set of um, solutions. So um, that's my little advice to them. Well, that, that's a brilliant, um, you know, roundup because, you know, sometimes people promote agriculture as this new sexy thing, but, you know, I like your approach. It's very pragmatic. It's very real. And it's just saying, look, this is, we, this is, we survive on food, right? We need people to keep growing it. We can't be over-reliant on importing our food from outside of Africa. And so just in the same way, we need teachers, we need doctors, we need farmers as well. So thank you very much for, you know, being a guest on today's episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I'm sure our audience would enjoy this episode as well because you, you definitely dropped a lot of gems in here. So yeah, thank you very much, Kojo, and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. I'll, I'll leave you to it. No problem. Have a great evening. Bye-bye. All right, bye.